from Trailblazers is anchored everybody theme podcast on low swimming option for the Ocean State Sea Salty's Opinions. We're your host Shay and Elise and today we're talking about love of power aka Valentine's Day massacres. Wait, 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 wait. Welcome back, lovely, loyal listeners. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. If you haven't already given us a follow on our socials, check us out at, at Anchored the Show. Happy Valentine's Day, Shay. Thank you so much. Can I hold your hand this time? Absolutely not. How do you, how do you feel about Valentine's Day? Well, while you're not holding my hand, obviously <laughs> you have other things going on. <laughs> I'll hold your shoulder. Um, I like it. It's nice. I, I like any day where somebody gets to feel special or people get to make other people feel special. So nice. Mm-hmm. That's cute. I'm a warm person. Yeah. Do you prefer chocolate or flowers? Both. Chocolate flowers? <laughs> no, chocolate and flowers. Flower chocolate? Nope. Chocolate flower. Separates. Oh. And you, Shay? I feel like you're just wanting, begging me to ask you. Oh my god. I what are your feelings? I love Valentine's Day. Really? And I have spent the majority of my Valentine's Day single. That's beautiful that you still have such an optimistic outlook, (laughs) the way you just phrased that. I'm more happy on Valentine's Days when I'm single than when I'm in a relationship or dating somebody because I get to appreciate the fact that love exists as a feeling, as an emotion, and that it's out there. And us as humans are able to feel that. Absolutely. And so I celebrate it. That's beautiful, Shay. Thank you. I'm surprised that that was your answer. I'm not going to (gasps) lie. I do have an eloquent thing to say once every... It wasn't that. I just thought you were going to be like, I hate this day. So anyway, now that we got the niceties out of the way, you may be surprised by today's topic, my friends, as we typically try and keep it light. And we try and keep it local. Today is not one of those days. This is not one of those episodes. Some may even say that we're talking about the opposite of love today. Indifference. Yep. Murder. Two ways. Well, not technically two ways. It's two stories about love and murder. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I hope nobody thinks that we are one of like those podcasts Oof. doing this. <laughs> Me too. My imagination is far too active to start researching unsolved murders and or crimes. And I'm not I'm just not going to do it. All I'm saying is if murderers, more murderers put gloves on their hands, there will be so many more seasons of unsolved murders. Wait, wait, if more murderers put gloves on their hand, there wouldn't be as many unsolved cases. There would be more because it's the fingerprints. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. All right. Never mind. I hear it now. (laughs) I was confused. Yeah. Ten fingers, ten toes. Either way, today we will tell the tale of two vastly different Valentine's Day events, but are somewhat similar in their execution. (laughs) You see what I did there? This is where I would pull out the knife. (laughs) I'll just like bite my nail a little bit. and That's why I won't hold your hand. That's fair. It's completely fair. Uh, we will tell the twisted tale of vengeance and retaliation on Valentine's Day that happened in the Bronx in 1993. And then the St. Valentine's Day massacre of 1929, which shockingly also happened on Valentine's Day. Technically, they're both about retaliation and vengeance, but nonetheless. So none of the less. <laughs> All right. So first, my story, the story of the Bronx. So, oi, it's not a Bronx tale. Putting it out there right now. Oi. This story is a messy one. And, I mean, murder is messy, but, like, this is a very messy one. This one is particularly messy. Like, telenovela and a law and order had a baby and put that baby on HBO set in the Bronx. So, here are the players. That kind of messy. 
Anthony um, Casayas, who's also known as Ding Ding. Lourdes, his wife, who's Ding's Ding, again, Ding Ding's wife. Mrs. Ding Ding. Yep. Lady Ding Ding. Um, But these people are... (laughs) Ding Ding at... No, but these people are no longer with us or they committed a murder. So let's attempt to not make light of these people because they may or may not be alive. Um, Your people we can make fun of. (laughs) We just don't want these people retaliating. And so like... (laughs) You, if your God-given name is Ding Ding. Nope. His name is Anthony. He goes by Ding Ding. People have nicknames. Shay. Um, anyway, Edwin okay, son- Elise. <laughs> well, cause your name is Shayna. You go by Shay. I don't have, your I just name is just Elise. Yep. That's the point I was making. Maria Santana, who's Edwin's sister, who may or may not have dated Mr. Ding before Lourdes showed up. Julia Santana, Miguel Rivera, 23, who was dating Miss Santana. Annette Medina, who lived down the hall. Christopher Hernandez, and who was 15 and an eighth grader at public school 62, as well as Elliot Lopez, also known as, I'm not sure because they're, they're a Hispanic people. Mm-hmm. If it's um, like, a, I don't know how to say his name correctly. I don't know if it's Tato, like potato, or if it's like Tato. So I'm going to go with Tato. Probably, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Call him Tato. Tato, just in case. Um, Luis Romero, Luis Ramos, and Edgardo. All of members, so those last Elliot, Luis, Luis, and Edgardo are all members of what the cops called a quote-unquote loosely knit drunk gang. So what was it like, if it's loosely knit, it was like merino wool or like an acrylic that you get at Joanne Fabrics? Not particularly sure, um, but... Because knit. For the record, we all know that cops love to call people who know each other and have that who have may or may not have brown or black skin gang members. So, yep, you sucked the energy right out of that one, Shay. Um, But the NYPD had zero respect or concern for these folks and the work that they put into their said drug operation and referred to them again as a loosely knit drug gang. I'm sure that Ding Ding um, (laughs) ended every staff member with Ohana means family and family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. Ding Ding. So loosely knit my ass. Oh, and there's one more guy, Gilbert Ortiz. Anyway, I'm going to tell you here and now, before we go any further, seven of the 13 folks I just named are D-E-A-D dead. So, Like as of today or like because of this? Because of this. I didn't check to see if any of these people are alive or the rest of them are alive. It's almost 30 years ago, so. Yeah. Well, wait how the story unfolds. I don't think that they're around, but we don't could just wait. Anyway, back to the story. So it seems that Ding Ding and Maria Santana used to date, which, as one could imagine, makes Lourdes, Ding Ding's current wife, a little salty. So Ding Ding began plotting the killing sometime around August 1992, whilst he was being held at Rikers on a drug charge. So it seems that Lourdes was injured in a fight with Edwin Santiago, who was 17 years old and a dude, um, who was a student at South Bronx High School. In the fight, according to the police, Investigators and people who knew some of the victims, um, they grew out of a long simmering rivalry between Lourdes and Edwin's sister, Maria. A police investigator, a.k.a. NYPD's version of Wendy Williams, spilled the tea and said that Ding Ding had at one time dated Maria and that he had broken off with her after he became involved with Lourdes, whom he later married and had a baby with. Just to take that down from cop talk, Ding Ding was definitely talking to Maria, and then Lourdes came along, got involved with Ding Ding. Same? Oh, they were talking. Yep. And then maybe she knew about Maria. Maybe she didn't. But it didn't stop her from taking and keeping what she thought was hers and ended up carrying baby Ding Ding. 
Did he give her a ring ding before or after baby ding ding? <laughs> Not doing it. And so anyway, so maybe Maria let him go. Maybe Maria fought for him. I don't know. But what we do know is that this love triangle got a bunch of people murdered. <laughs> yep. Like a bunch, but it was with a gun, not a knife. So back to the story. Edwin, a a minor and a boy who was involved in a physical altercation with Ding Ding's wife, a woman and an adult, um, what we can only assume to be the honor of Maria. So luckily it's the Bronx and there's plenty of nosy ass neighbors to provide a little colorful context for all of us to understand. Beautiful. Yep. So according to Lourdes and Maria, they hated each other. (laughs) So at at times exchanged heated words. And she said that Lourdes had continued, uh, this um, neighbor had said that Lourdes had continued to view Maria as a romantic threat. Lourdes was always harassing her all the time. I guess she was just jealous. So why? Because cheaters always cheat. (laughs) We know that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't and I don't know ding ding. But I'm I'm just saying that's such a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. If you have two ladies in the same neighborhood, it's going to get messy. That's just reasonable understanding. So the animosity between the women erupted on a Bronx street in the summer before February 14th, 1993. Pay attention to that date. That's why we're all here. <laughs> so during the fight, the police said that Edwin had come to the aid of his sister and slapped Lourdes. Okay. Allegedly. So, not surprisingly, the severity of her injuries was or is a matter of dispute. Chief Borelli of the NYPD said that some accounts said that she was even severely beaten. But other police officials, interesting that this is all different kinds of takes on what happened. Um, Other police officials and neighbors interviewed um, said that Edwin had slapped her and caused her to drop her baby, Ding Ding Jr. So, according to one police official that we feel may have been the catalyst. So thanks to the great work of the NYPD Blue. Boys in blue. We know what happened. So great work, boys. So Lourdes does what everyone would do in that situation. She waited until visiting hours at Riker to tell Ding Ding about what just went down down. (laughs) So it doesn't feel good to say that. But I knew that you would like that. You got me. Yeah. (laughs) So that felt good. Uh, good one yeah people are dead um anyway (laughs) ding ding had some time on his hands so he starts plotting so anyway now as everyone knows we all love a good mobster story all Mm -hmm. of america does and the greatest mob hit that was ever made was on valentine's day massacre in 1929 massacre massacre which shay will get to momentarily so as i an armchair detective and a full-on pop culture nut decided this was ding ding's inspiration for what would take place only a few months later so subsequent to his release ding ding gets the cooperation of the other individuals they arrange to commit and we believe (laughs) extract the revenge that he wants for his wife again cop talk for he got the band back together to seek vengeance and reestablish his dominance in the neighborhood so Neighbors say that the days before the killings, Maria had been telling people that she was afraid of Ding Ding and what he might do to her. And and she had even received a telephone death threat. In fact, a neighbor even went on record saying that Maria went around telling a lot of people that if anything happened to her, it was definitely, definitely Ding Ding. I am, we are unsure if she ever relayed these concerns to the police. Putting that out there. So just after midnight on February 14th, 1993, three adults and three teenagers, all residents of the same apartment building, were lined up face down on the living room 
floor down, I mean, face down on the floor of an apartment in the Bronx and shot to death, execution style, with one bullet in each head of each victim. Was it ding ding? <laughs> so, yeah. This was New York's worst shooting case since April 15th, 1984, when 10 people were slain on Palm Sunday in East New York. Oh, holidays. <laughs> Big holidays. Big holidays. They like events in New York. Yeah. The 80s and 90s were pretty wild in New York. So anyway, three of the victims were family member, the members of a family that lived in the apartment. Julia Santana, who had been disabled by a stroke in 92. Her son, Edwin Santiago, who was 17 and a student at South Bronx Bronx High School. Mrs. Santana's daughter, Maria Santana, who was 26 and who worked at the Bronx factory printing logos on T-shirts and Ding Ding's ex-girlfriend. The other victims were identified as Miguel Rivera of apartment 116 in the building, a handyman who was dating Maria, Annette Medina, who just was a friend who lived down the hall, Christopher Hernandez, who was also 15, who lived in down the hall as well, and who was an eighth grader at public school 62 in New York. Shit's heavy. So... It's unclear if there was a small party or gathering, whatever brought them together, as police did find Valentine's decorations across the house, but no evidence of like a large party or some sort of event like that. So it sucks. Right? It's not over. (laughs) Yep. So ding, ding. Whom I should add is only 21. So this, in my head, all of these people were like adults. These, These are just kids. And like, it's just little adults. Yeah, this shit sucks. So... Anyway, so Ding Ding and his crew are still in the streets, and I can assume that Lourdes at this moment in time is feeling particularly secure in her relationship because Maria is no longer with us. So mm-hmm. in comes Elliot, Tato, or Tato, um, Luis, and Edgardo, and Luis Ramos, all from the Bronx as well, who were allegedly involved in the execution of Maria and her family and friends on Valentine's Day. So... There are strong indications that Ding Ding and Tato were the shooters and the other others came and went from the apartment as the ex- executions progressed from neighbors and like reports and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, far from over. A short time after the executions, Lourdes and Ding Ding Jr., according by, accompanied by Ding Ding and Louis Ramos, um, went to the courthouse for the scheduled appearance for the drug charges for which Ding Ding had recently been held in Rikers for. So family affair, go into the courthouse. Cute. A shooting happened. At the courthouse? At In front of the courthouse. Oh. Lourdes is now dead. Baby, totally fine. Ding Ding Jr., unharmed. Luis, shot in the thigh. Ding Ding, unscathed. So, Ding Ding was uninjured. And all of... All As that, was Ding Ding Jr. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, Ding Ding Jr. and Ding Ding are fine. And um, that morning, all of his quote-unquote loose-knit drug gang friends were arrested for the Valentine's Day murders. The police arrested Gilbert Ortiz, who told the police later that he was, quote unquote, the brother of Mr. Santiago, of Edwin, the 17-year-old, who may or may not have slapped Ding Ding's wife at the beginning, remember? Right. But his precise relationship to the slain man still remains unclear, which at face value makes sense because, like, to Hulk Hogan, everyone is your brother. (laughs) Brother. But in this, there's a tiny little bit of suspicion that perhaps Lourdes and Tato weren't the intended targets. Maybe it was Ding Ding was the intended target. That makes sense. Maybe it wasn't. But Ding Ding was uninjured in the shooting and was fine. And nobody knows where Gilbert Ortiz actually came from. So, yikes. 
that was it. Woof is how I'm just going to end it. Bark. Um, but one, this is my official request to all of TikTok to take this information that I have just provided to you and gather more and be the detectives that Olivia Benson wants us all to be. And two, this shit makes you think twice about downloading Hinge. <laughs> Because all that's part of your Facebook, like, mutual friends algorithm shit. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, Shay, that was a little heavy. Do you have anything lighter for our listeners? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Before I begin, I just want to say, yeah. it seems like the secret sauce to never getting killed is just to go by Ding Ding. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Do you um, know um, if Ding Ding Senior and Junior are still... I was Ding afraid to Google it in case they under like they could hack backwards to find out who the hell I am. <laughs> like if they learned like Ding Ding Bronx, stop! <laughs> it's they're gonna come after me now. That's all my fear. If you say Ding Ding three times in the mirror, yo, <laughs> turn off. The you lights. are trying to get somebody murdered today. <laughs> Do you want to talk about uh, prohibition and uh, a massacre? Sure. Cool. Okay. Al Capone St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I tried to do an accent when I was reading this, um, but it turned a little Boston. Yeah, so it was too much Chicago, so <laughs> Let, less, less accents here. Uh, but let's get a few things straight and narrow. Uh, this massacre was never actually tied to Al Capone. He had an alibi. He was in Florida, and none of the people up in Chicago ever squealed. So mob activity happened up there. Was not him. Us here in Rhode Island, no. That doesn't mean he didn't do it. He might have done it. He just wasn't there. He just wasn't there. Possibly. Allegedly. Rumored to be. Mm. So, at least. It's 1929. It's Chicago. What does this mean? Uh, Almost the Great Depression. Uh, I have it written down here. It means it's fucking cold. Oh, sorry. Yep. It's cold. It's cold. It's cold. Uh, have you ever been in that part of the country in the winter? Mm-hmm. I'm from that part of the country. Yep. <laughs> it does get cold, though. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was in Chicago. I've only ever been in Chicago in October, but it was already cold then. I can imagine it was fucking cold then in February 14th, to be exact. Mm. So it means we're also at the end of the Roaring Twenties, and America was turning up hard. Uh, and what's wild is that they did it completely sober because this is during Prohibition. I doubt that very seriously. Nice, sober, clean fun. Not a drop of alcohol in sight. Just vibes. Mm, definitely. Not true. Not true. Folks were boozing and cruising, uh, I think. At least they were boozing. Chicago does not have a great history with vessels, if I remember the SS Eastland disaster correctly. It was a, like a ferry that capsized in the river in Chicago. Yeah, I did not know that. So no cruising. At least you're not boozing and cruising. Anyways, nonetheless, booze. Uh, the fun part about prohibition, other than the breaking the rules, is the skirting of the rules. The law stated that you could not sell nor purchase alcohol, but it never stated you couldn't drink alcohol. Kind of like marijuana. Kind of like marijuana. It was a perfect time for everyone to pull out the hypnotic stash they got from their 21st birthday because God knows you don't drink that unless you have to. Unless that's the last... You can mix Resort. that with some stuff. It's actually not really bad. You got hypnotic for your 21st birthday? What happens in Washington? Drinking milk out of bags. Oh. <laughs> Back to our man, Al Capone. This is where we begin the gangs. The mobsters. Not the lobsters. 
Because this isn't Rhode Island gang activity. It's Chicago gang activity. So it's more like Chicago dogsters. Mobsters and Chicago dogsters. So. Chicago. Chicago. It's Irish versus Italian. Scarface Al Capone versus George Bugs Moran. So we got a ding ding and we got a Bugs. Yeah. These are real, like, tough men. They are. With the least tough name. Bugs. Ding ding. Tommy Gun versus Human, no rules. There were a few rules, as there always are. One, being involved, you didn't involve yourself with the police uh, or the normal, boring, not involved in the mob citizens of Chicago. Another rule is you don't name names. It's rule number one, and that's going to come in handy on this next page. Yes, snitches get stitches. (laughs) But that's today. That's not just Al Capone times. Tell that to your sister. Ratted you out. We already heard about that. We already heard about that. <laughs> my sister did. <laughs> this is an adult podcast. The first time my sister and I smoked weed, she ratted me out. Narc. Mm-hmm. I got grounded. She did too. Good. She did that to herself. Did she get grounded twice as long? Because that's some vengeance my mom would have handed out. She would have been like, oh, did you narc on your sister? You get twice as much. <laughs> I'd be like, Yeah. <laughs> No, Audrey and Holly did not play by the same rules. <laughs> I know that very I know that for sure. <laughs> anyway, these two rival gangs, the Italians, the Irish, Irish being on the north side of Chicago and the Italians being on the south side, were vying for a top position in the illicit booze business known as bootlegging. Mm. Not bootleggings, otherwise known as Lululemon yoga pants, but bootlegging. Uh, it's basically one of Newton's laws. <laughs> That if you outlaw it, a black market will be made for it, like drugs. But I'm not condoning drug use, but I do condone skirting around the rules to get into, like, a baseball game online or a football game because it's really expensive to pay for, like, that stuff And when you're in market. Anyway, you don't do sports. Not even a little bit. Let's get back to Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. It's the morning of February 14th, 1929, and a gentleman placed a hit on the head of the North Side's Bugs Moran. We don't know who placed the hit, but for story's sake, we'll call him something simple. Like Al. Okay. Perhaps Capone. I'm feeling it. Maybe Al Capone. So Al placed a hit on Bugs because, I don't know, he pissed him off or something. Was probably hoping, nope, we're going back there. I read, I, I, I read that. So Al placed a hit on Bugs because, I don't know, he pissed him off or something. Was probably hopping on the hard seltzer train before Al could and realized that it was lucrative. Oh, my God. It's like a white claw versus truly whole debacle. Anyway, so Al wants Bugs dead, which if it's the summer, same because I hate mosquitoes. It's not. It's February 14th. Mm, no. And the mosquitoes aren't around. That's not the kind of bugs we have. Yep. So four of Al's guys... Two of which were dressed as cops, which is a crime, but that clearly isn't an issue here. Personally, a cop's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, they wait for bugs outside of a parking garage, um, and when they see him, they're going to move in. So they see this guy moving in, but the only problem, it wasn't bugs. It was a guy that looked just like bugs, who was a friend of bugs. Um, Called tugs. Tugs. <laughs> rugs. Lugs. Um, nugs. Oh, that makes more sense here. Nugs. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it wasn't Bugs. It was one of Bugs' guys that looked really similar to him. Normally, I, <laughs> I gotcha. Mm. <laughs> Normally, I have a fear of approaching a stranger 
that looks like somebody I know and making a fool of myself. But this seems to be higher stakes here a little okay. bit. So friend of bugs walks into the garage and there's six other friend of bugs there that are cornered by friend of Al's. I mean, someone's someone's uh, and they all have Tommy guns or Thomas guns. If we're being polite, they're big, scary guns. We're in the garage. Well, friends of Al, friends of bugs are in the garage. And then the pow, pow, pow starts. Six are killed on the spot. One is left not quite dead. So that one ends up being transported to the hospital. Uh, And he's questioned about who shot him. And in true gangster fashion, because we don't talk about Bruno, we don't talk about who shot us. You don't squeal. And he said, when they asked who shot you, he says, I'm fine. No one shot me. I'm fine. (laughs) I'm fine, guys. And then he died. Oh, that sucks. But nobody shot him. It was just, I mean, yeah, it does suck, um, unfortunately. Uh, that was the St. Valentine's Day that was allegedly orchestrated by Al Capone. And yeah, how do you feel about that? I feel that this was a tragic loss for the friends and family of Bugs and his friends and family. Mm -hmm. What's funny, ha-ha funny. Yeah, tell me what's ha-ha funny about this. Is that of all the people involved, it's 1929, Bugs outlived everybody. He died in, like, 1956 in prison. Oh, Yeah, penniless. But he still got to, like, age a little bit. He did. Yeah. That's nice. Oof. All right. So the second worst part, first part, part is death, obviously, um, in all of this. The Valentine's Massacre, that is, uh, is that there is a about, excuse me, I'm going to start again. So the second worst part, the first part, worst part being everyone's dead. Um, but the worst part about this is that somehow London culturally appropriated this massacre where people were murdered in a garage in Southside Chicago and was like, we should turn this into like a speakeasy vibe cocktail party that's invite only and moves around every year on Valentine's Day. And they call it, it's a pop-up club, <laughs> Valentine's pop, Day pop, Massacre. Pop. Yep. Pop, pop, pop. It's a themed party billed as a Valentine's Day Valentine's party from award-winning pop-up 1920s speakeasy in a secret London venue lit only by candles with <laughs> just a fire fucking hazard. Never happened in Rhode Island. Um, with live jazz bands, cabaret, and retro DJs. I... Like, I guess it's not cultural appropriation if they gave us their culture, like, because we we came from them, but then, like, they took it back. Like, I don't really understand. They took what they wanted. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess that is what it is. But, like, I just cannot believe that they're like, "Mm mm-hmm, this feels good. And nobody ever had problems with this. But that's just, it ain't right. I don't feel like it's right. No. It feels a little ick. Yeah. We'll show them. We'll start an Irish car bomb holiday cocktail That's hour. Ireland. They don't get, London doesn't oh, give shit. a shit about that at all. <laughs> That's anything, right. They're like, yeah, like we should do that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, either way. There you ho- have it, folks. Two stories that will make your blood run cold, even on the most romantic of evenings. So before we go, we hope that you and yours are safe and feel loved tonight and every night. We all need a little need to be a little bit kinder to each other and ourselves. Like for real. Valentine's is not just about Valentine or Valentine's, if you like to pluralize Valentine's. it. Valentine's. <laughs> Valentine's isn't about Hallmark and Hearts. It's about making the folks we love feel special. Or even strangers. Whomever. Just be nice today 
and always. And if you want to have another Valentine's Day massacre, don't. <laughs> don't do it. Find us on social at, at Anchor the Show on all of our social medias. But most importantly, don't forget to stay salty. Anchored is produced by Trailblaze Media, along with myself, Elise Swearingen, and Shane Weintraub. From Trailblaze Media, Ezra Winters is our executive producer.